0: Welcome to Ask of Expert, brought to you by the team at vexit.com. Our bi-weekly series is the podcast helping business owners, managers, and professionals thrive in the world of modern work. Here's this week's host, Polly Craig.
1: Have you ever been talking to your boss or a colleague and wondering if they've tuned into what you're saying? Or on the flip side, have you ever been in an important meeting and zoned out, missing something you definitely shouldn't have? Listening is something we almost do unconsciously, but becoming more conscious of this critical communication skill has huge benefits. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Rob Tatro. If you don't know Rob, he's an award-winning portfolio manager and has been ranked in Wealth Professionals' Top 10 Wealth Advisors in Canada three times in the last four years. Rob is now the branch manager at a growing firm, Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, and appears regularly as a business and financial commentator for media outlets across the country. Rob, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Polly. What a great introduction, thanks.
1: Today, Rob and I are going to explore how becoming an active listener can help you grow your business. Before we go there though, I would really love to hear your backstory, Rob, about how after graduating from University of Toronto Law School and initially working as a litigation lawyer, You returned to school to complete your MBA in finance at the Asper School of Business. Tell us about it. Why did you make the change and how in the world did you have the courage to transition?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a a risk and a jump, a leap at that point, for sure. I was, you know, there I was a promising young lawyer at the best firm in town and, you know, had a really good team that I was working with. And, you know, the future looked really, really bright. Um, The story actually is I, I went home one night after an especially long day and frustrating week And I was watching my wedding video, which we had just received. I had just gotten married. And in the wedding video, my mom makes a speech. She makes a speech to the groom. And, you know, typical mom-like fashion. She's so proud of her baby. And she said, you know, remember, you can do anything you want in this life, Rob. You're such a passionate guy. You must be passionate about, passionate about what you do on a daily day basis. And when you're no longer feeling that passion that's burning inside you, that means you're not in the right profession and you need to move on. And I just looked at my wife and I said, oh, I think my mom knows. I was like, I'm out. I just said, I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving the practice of law. And MLT Akins, Akins Macaulay back then, uh, a wonderful place to work. It just wasn't for me, right? The practice of law wasn't for me. And, you know, I still think very highly of them and I refer business, but yeah, I took the leap. I left. I knew I wanted to work in finance. I always had a deep background in finance. My dad was an investment banker. My mom was an accountant. I'd always been incredibly good at math and, and you know, spreadsheets as a kid. I said, why don't I do a finance MBA? I'll do that. And then I'll figure out kind of how and where I fit into the finance world. Back then at Asper, I don't know if they still do, but they had like the, the ultra fast MBA I did it in like 10 months. I realized during that time that my passion was actual wealth management and helping people building portfolios. And that's why I started the firm. I started the Tatro Wealth Advisory Group um, right after that and I've not looked back since.
1: Wow. Amazing story and good lesson for so many people. So how did you actually discover this was an area that you wanted to practice in?
2: So I, I was doing a ton of research on institutional portfolio management returns in one of my one of my courses. So I was looking at, you know, some of the largest endowment funds and some of the largest pension funds in the world and why they were doing so much better than the retail Canadian investor, you know, you and I. And I was thinking, why are they doing so much better? And I dug deep and I did a kind of a mini thesis on this. And during that time, I discovered. Okay, here's why because no one's really thinking outside the box in Canada. You know, there's been this mentality of portfolio management, portfolio theory that's been applied to portfolios pretty much forever and nobody's ever bothered to change it. Nobody's really thinking outside the box. I said there's an opportunity. You know, someone who's brings a fresh approach to this, who's young, who's focused on thinking outside the box, bring different investment theories and different investment practices, uncorrelated asset classes to the market. And I said People are going to want this. I'm convinced that people are going to want this. So uh, I started the business with that focus and it evolved over time, but that's how I knew it's because I actually did the research in my MBA uh, that eventually formed the basis of my portfolio theory.
1: So, you know, we called today's talk, the art of listening. So you've made transition in your career and now you've learned some lessons along the way. One of them being how important the art of listening is. Can you share with our audience what you learned and and how you discovered that listening was an important uh, trait
2: it's something I wish I would have learned a lot earlier in life because I'd always been kind of the loud, gregarious guy, the joker the you know the storyteller you know as a kid every single um, you know family video revolves around me jumping in front of the camera and me telling my mom to videotape me and to not videotape my brother and my sister and I you know I was a weak listener I'll be frank I was a weak listener as, as a younger uh, adult and as a I guess as a as a teenager and I didn't have time to listen to people because I always thought I had the greatest thing to say next so when I started in this business I still felt like I had, I had this wealth of knowledge, right? So I had just done an MBA. I was, I was a fresh lawyer. I had a ton of knowledge about investment management, a ton, and I just wanted to blurt it all out the moment I met someone, right? They, they'd sit down, they go, oh, tell me about what you do. And then 65,000 words would come pouring out of my mouth. And like, it just wasn't great. It wasn't a great approach. So I realized fairly early in my career and mostly through connections and discoveries with peers, colleagues, and friends, that it was probably the most important, one of the most important skills, and certainly a skill that I needed to work on. I realized that because I, I would often, you know, I I had to work on this, uh, Paulie. I would sit in front of people and I just I, I would want to finish their sentences. I would want to tell them, I I know what you're talking about. I'm, yeah, I I can address that, and um, I, I realized fairly early I needed to improve on that.
1: So, what was the first step? How did you actually step back and and think about it?
2: Self awareness. So, self awareness is the biggest thing. I remember what happened is I realized that I needed to work on it. I I went to, I was dealing with a professional. I forget if it was a, I want to say an accountant or or a lawyer or a, I, I don't remember exactly, real estate agent somewhere. And I was sitting across from them and I was trying to explain to them what my point of view was on a specific topic. And what I got the opinion that day, the feeling I got that day was this person is not listening to me. And it was kind of like an epiphany for me. And I said, this is a terrible feeling to be sitting on the other side of someone who's not listening to me. And I just wanted to, no, you're, you're not finished. No. And I couldn't get a word in. And I remember leaving that meeting saying, oh my God, I think I'm that person on the other side, or I can be that person on the other side. So I decided, okay, first thing, first, first, first things first, let's take a look at what you're currently doing, Rob. Do a self-assessment of what you're doing. So I just kind of watched myself in meetings. So I, I kind of tried to be like a third party, like a like a fly on the wall. What are you doing, Rob, during meetings? And re- like as soon as I started doing that exercise, I realized pretty quick that I needed to, to do more listening, less talking and more listening.
1: So you come away from a meeting, you go,
2: that was terrible. Why am I doing that? Exactly. I sat there and I was like, what did you just do, Rob? This person was trying to tell. And like, as I was doing my self-awareness exercise, I, I realized I need to make a change here. This, I need to make a change. I need to be better at listening. And part of that too was, I remember the feeling one time my wife and I came back from a, a, a meeting with someone who wanted to, you know, sell us. I, I forget if it was insurance or some sort of financial product. And I remember my wife leaving the meeting and saying, that man across the table Never looked at me in the eye once. He was just talking to you the whole time, and you know, gave me very, very little deference. Didn't even ask me how I felt about the deal, the transaction. Didn't even care to understand how you know emotionally I felt. Didn't even ask me. Never looked at me. Um, that was that was a terrible, terrible experience. And so I remember when my wife told me that. So I always had a very, very good habit of kind of, you know, trying to split my eye contact between husband and wife when I was. But I, I wanted to make sure that I was actually empathetically listening to everyone. Because a lot of times, whether it's husband or wife, most of the times in, in, in our world, there's typically one person that's got a more hands-on approach to the finances and to the investments in my world. Probably more often than not, it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's more often the husband or the wife, probably more often it's the husband. But regardless, usually one person is, is making a lot of the decision. So I'd make an effort to go half-half with my eyesight. But what I realized is I wasn't necessarily involving The person who was talking less, once the the, the kind of the discussion was going in a one-way street, I would typically focus on that one person. And that's something I realized, okay, that's, that's not a good trait. That's a bad trait to have. So in addition to the eye contact, I realized I need to go out of my way to make sure to ask the quiet person in a meeting. How they're feeling, how they're doing, you know, if they have further questions on the discussion we're having, are they comfortable with the decisions we're making? Et cetera. So it was a lot of it, so that self-awareness piece was the first piece. And then it's kind of like chunk by chunk, I would I would notice something either in the discussion with a peer, with a colleague, with my wife, with you know, self-exploration on my own. I'd realize that I need to improve things. So one by one, I would try to work on those things and try to incorporate them in every single one of my meetings. So
1: did you have tools that you used for this did you learn from books or podcasts or was it a discovery that you did all on your own
2: so initially it was just on my own I was uh, initially it was like okay that meeting went way better why why did it go better I do a lot of self-assessment after every meeting I go why did that meeting result in you know a very positive relationship where the one I had last night didn't and and I'd say okay probably because this you know I, I wasn't empathetic enough about their listening or I interrupted or whatever it may be, so I realized that it, it was it was more kind of self diagnosis and self and what I noticed is as I as I developed my skills and I would practice with my wife and in meetings and stuff, eventually my closing rate, if you will, went up dramatically. My the the, the percentage of of relationships that developed after meetings. strong relationships that developed after meetings were much stronger. And then I started asking clients for feedback as well. So initially it was very um, internal. It was internal. It was colleagues. It was friends. It was family. But you're right. Eventually I did look out to third-party sources. Um, I think the Carnegie Institute's got a really, really good uh, series on listening. Uh, I took a Harvard, I want to say Harvard business review I think it was like a a journal that had like 10 really good articles on, on effective communication, effective listening. And I'm a big kind of Ted talk podcast kind of guy. So I would listen to a lot of those and uh, just, just try to learn as much as I could about really it's about making a communication in the meeting. Right. Absolutely.
1: Did you find that as you became a more active and better listener, did you notice that the people you were speaking with were not? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I think, and I, I'm speaking from experience. I've went on the record here today, Paulie, and I've said that I needed to improve my listening. So, I'm by by no stretch am I, uh, you know, the best listener on the planet. But I, I do spend a lot of time focusing on it. And I spend a lot of time working on it, and I can tell the people who don't. When I'm in a business relationship, when I'm in a business transaction with someone on the other side, you can often tell that they've never thought of this. They've never thought about, you know, pausing after sentences that are, you know, complicated. They've never thought about making that eye contact and inquiring with your eyes as to whether or not, you know, we're on the same page for a topic. They've never thought about following up after someone has made a complicated comment to say, I think I understand what you're saying is this. Or, you know, they've never thought of any of that. And they've never thought of straight up not interrupting, which is probably the most basic of all listening skills of just not interrupting. Or if you are interrupting, if you need to interrupt for whatever reason, a very simple, a sorry for interrupting. I just need to clarify X, Y, or Z. Um, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I think I'd be naive if I said I wasn't trying and striving to continue to improve every aspect of, of me as a person, but um, I'm, I'm going to continue to work on my listening till I'm dead because I think it's a critical skill.
1: So you've highlighted some of the best practices. Do you have anything formal that you can share with our audience about what steps to take first? First of all, self-awareness is what I heard you say.
2: Yeah, I'm a big believer in self-awareness and do a diagnostic. Now, this is very hard for people because they probably don't know anything else. So ask someone you trust, ask someone you 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 believe in, and ask someone who, who's going to give you a fair and honest answer. Maybe it's your wife or, or your husband or your spouse, or maybe it's, you know, your child or your father or your mother or a cousin or a business associate or an employee. You know, if a lot of, of, of business leaders are listening here right now, you probably have some key people on your team that, you know, maybe they, they wouldn't openly volunteer that information, but if you ask them, they probably would come clean and say, you know, I've, I've noticed you tend to have a bad habit to do this uh, when someone's speaking boss. And, uh, you know, that could be a lead into to future improvements. I think that the, so I, I don't carry a list, but I know the things that I've personally tried to work on the eye communication was one that was, you know, very critical on day one, the pausing after an extremely long paragraph or an extremely long concept or topic and just the de- the dead air, right? When I started in this business, I thought dead air was the worst, right? You're asking someone a question and you're waiting, you're patiently waiting for an answer or they're pondering and you just wanna answer for them. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of dead air when someone's thinking about something and you know, you don't have to constantly be striving to jump in and fill something. in. so that's another big one. Involving all the people in the discussion is a big one, depending on the size of your group. I, I feel like that's a no brainer and I feel like most people would automatically know that, but th- that's important too. The body language with respect to, to breath, that sounds so ridiculous, right? But we've all sat into a room with someone who's done the old, ah, right? And you're just like so devastated to hear that because you're basically telling me to shut up with that comment, right? So like the body language is incredibly important. The, the facial expressions are incredibly important. The empathetic listening, so put yourself in that person's shoes and, and try to try to if it's a complicated situation or if it's a difficult conversation, you know maybe you're telling someone that they don't have enough to retire or whatever it may be, I sometimes will go through my messaging before and then I'll prepare myself for the listening, right So these are all I think tips that that people would would know or I think if you asked them they would know, but I feel like a lot of us aren't doing it. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well,
0: I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.
1: I'm being very careful that I don't interrupt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, you can interrupt me today because today we're having a chat. Today we are having a chat, right? So it's just you and I chatting, discussing. I think if I was, you know, proposing to you an investment solution or if I was asking you questions about your investment, you know, background, I would be silly to interrupt, right? Right. But today we're having a
1: chat. And you made a good point. I mean, what I heard you say is that every situation is different. You could be dealing with a family who's just gone through uh, a death where you're dealing with a will, or you've got a situation where it's exciting and you've got uh, somebody who just won the lottery. Um, it, It depends on the situation. So adjusting your listening skills and your style to whatever the situation is for the person on the other side of the table. Is that
2: what her- Oh, yeah, you got it. Like it's for me, every single meeting, I never get I never get two of the same meetings. And nowadays, I don't know what your calendar looks like, Polly. But for me, it's all Zoom right now. So yeah. I'm doing a ton of Zoom. And I actually teach a course at the University of St. Boniface uh, on business communication. So I've been teaching this course for about five years now, five, six years. And I'm a proud Francophone, a Franco-Manitoban, for those who don't know. And I grew up in a French town, Marchand, Manitoba, about an hour southeast of Winnipeg. Went to École joachin and, you know, didn't really speak a word of English till I was eight. So for me, the communication skills has always been a bilingual. You know, I, I got to learn it in both languages. And I, and I teach that course. And what I was going to say about teaching that course is this year, I kind of did a 180 with the course because all we're really doing in this course this year, is I am focusing on best practices for zoom communication for zoom and, and, you know, telecommunication, because I don't, I don't know that anyone's written. I'm sure there are many, many books and and podcasts and articles on how to do this, but like the students in my core in my course, they're they're so lost, right? Like they don't know about proper framing. They don't know about, you know, basic, you know, muting, uh, you know, politeness and courtesy and, and you know, h- how many people in a room before you can actually just speak up. And so we're going through all that. And I'm, what I'm finding is I, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a defined, you know, set in stone best practice, but we're hashing it out and we're talking about it. And at least I'm making my students aware to try to focus on your active listening skills in these Zoom meetings.
1: Are there any different types of listening? I heard you say, you know, empathy. Uh, is there such a thing as empathetic? listening you know you talked about eye contact is that in your course that you teach or are there certain things because we all have different personalities personally i'm a very visual person so i'm always aware of of eye contact and things like that where somebody else might focus elsewhere when it comes to communicating and listening
2: i'm a big believer in eye contact i think it's an easy way to build trust Because, especially in our business, so in in the old days, pre-COVID, you know, someone would come into my boardroom, you know, typically a couple, they'd come into our boardroom and we would start chatting about their life savings, their entire net worth, and a strategy to build them, you know, a portfolio or a plan for their retirement, for their, you know, their life savings, one of the most important things for them. So should my eyes be darting around? Should they be looking at their ceiling or should they be looking at, you know, their pants or or the door. No, I made it a habit for me to continuously basically cycle. This will sound ridiculous, but basically cycle between their eyes. And I always had a paper out and I always had, or, or a book, a notebook out because eventually you can't just cycle between eyes forever because you, you kind of get that awkward feeling after some point. So I would cycle between eyes and eventually I'd cycle back to my paper. I'm a big believer in like drawing out drawing out, you know, whatever we're doing, if we're building a portfolio or, and I'm a big believer, I would have like a doodle and I'd always be doodling kind of plans. And I would do that cycle eyes, you know, drawing paper plan back to their eyes. And I made a habit to never, ever dart. And obviously never dart your eyes from somewhere else on their body other than their eyes, obviously. Right. You don't want to be looking at someone's shoes or you don't want to be looking at someone's arms. Right.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm really curious. At the very beginning, you talked about you could see changes happening, and you know it was actually helping you grow your business. You were closing more deals, and I what I think you said was you could attribute that to how you had changed your style in authentically listening. Can you share a little insight into was there a, did a light bulb come on or how did you when did you figure out that this was actually contributing to the success of your business?
2: Well, the numbers, right? So the numbers don't lie because I would track, I would track my number of meetings. I would track how many became kind of positive relationships and I would count how many would become clients and, or, you know, I would close and I'd keep track of my close rate, and I'd keep track of feedback. Now I never really generated a true kind of feedback survey for anyone. So it's really just internal, but I know firsthand From how I used to present, how I used to do meetings when I started in this business, I was convinced I had all the information at the tip of my tongue and I just needed to get it out as quickly and as, you know, the most efficient way possible. Get out all these words and convince this person that my plan and the plan that we have is the absolute best. But. That was clearly not the best way to approach it. And I found out because just my close. So this epiphany of self-awareness and listening kind of happened over a bunch of different meetings. I would sit in on, on meetings with other colleagues and I would watch how they would do it. I'd watch, you know, do you mind if I sit in on one of your meetings? I was a rookie. I was a younger advisor. And do you mind if I sit in, I'd love to just sit in on one of your meetings and yeah. Okay. And I noticed what they did and I noticed good and I noticed bad and I know I'm not doing that and I know I'm doing I want to do more of that and over time I started building my own listening strategy and sometimes I'll 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 do a meeting and I'll have someone else so now some younger juniors want to sit in on my meetings and what they sometimes tell me is I can't believe how long it took you to get to the to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today because I'm a very big believer in asking open-ended questions in my industry right so we want to understand why why are you upset about your investments what, you know what's what are your goals long term what do you want to do so once you get someone talking about investments that's when you get into the kind of empathetic listening and open-ended long questions and just listening because once you once you actually listen so it's one thing to listen to just shut up and listen but it's another thing to listen to ask questions that are going to make you listen so i'm also a believer in that so i would i would you know take my time take my time to get to to get to the point of why you're here today. There's a reason you're here today. There's a reason you're asking me about the services that I can provide for you. Now, there's a reason you go to the car dealership. You probably need a new car, right? But if you just show up to the car dealership and someone starts, you know, telling you what car you need, you're probably not going to buy that car. So what I found is long, long open-ended. so, Questions with long, open-ended answers would, would provide us with the best background. And then in the meantime, I could formulate, I could listen, I could formulate kind of how I think I could help this person. And um, that's one of the strategies I use. So obviously, our revenue was up, our sales were up, and you know, the business took off.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So for our listeners, I'm sure they're asking themselves, how do I know if I'm a good listener?
2: I've asked people that I trust for feedback and I think that's one of the best ways to do it. Try to actually watch yourself, you know, fly on the wall in in your next meeting. I know it's tougher with zoom now, but try to actually walk, walk, uh, watch yourself fly on the wall and see what kind of deference are you giving to the other person? What's your communication style? Um, now with zoom, I feel like a lot of the body language and a lot of the, um, eye contact requirement and stuff has dramatically changed because a lot of the people, the camera might not necessarily be, you know, where the window is on your screen. So it looks like you're looking somewhere else at all times. And we've lost a lot of that, but I do think there will be a time, you know, I don't know when, but we'll be back to having, you know, communication styles, the old fashioned way. I would ask someone to sit in on the meeting with you. And I'd ask someone you trust to, you know, to give you a candid opinion about your listening skills. I'd ask your spouse if you're married. Because we all have those those ticks that we have that our spouse thinks are annoying, and maybe they've already told you, or maybe they haven't. But you know that's something that I would ask. There, there's a ton of really good podcasts and and online info. Active listening. There's a there's a really good book that I I read. Uh, How to turn down your volume, turn up your communication skill is one that I that I read. I, I actually listened to it on audiobook. Um, I thought it was powerful. So if you're not closing business, is probably another big sign. If you're not closing business, if you're not getting follow-up meetings, it's probably another big sign. Wow. The other thing that you might want to try to do is if you're having a, uh, what should be, you know, if you're trying to close someone, if you're trying to, if you're in the information gathering meeting for a business, I mean, I try to talk less than 30% of the time. In my first meetings, I was, talk, I was talking 70% of the time. So we don't want to, for me, that's when I, if I, if I kind of hear myself talk a lot, I'll often say, you know what? This is one of my lines that I say, I'm so passionate about this. I could go on forever. I could talk about this forever. I should stop. I should stop. And I should ask you, you know, how that makes you feel. That's one of the lines I use. If I, if I notice I'm just talking because I'm, Hey, I'm working on this all the time. I work on this every single week, every month, every year I work on my listening skills. Cause I think it's one of the most important skills and I'm not the best listener. So I, I you know, we've all got to work at this and I'm doing my absolute best to work at it. And so I've developed a few of those small tricks.
1: It might consciously, I'm gonna actually try this at the end of every meeting to actually think about who did most of the talking in that meeting. Do you do an assessment sort of like that after as you're as you're trying to learn how to be a better listener?
2: Yeah, I now have pretty much someone who sits in on almost every one of my meetings and I, I always look at them afterwards for every one of my meetings, I'll go, How do you think that went? And if that person tells me this is a slam dunk, that person's gonna be a client. Then I kind of go through it and I go, okay, good. I don't need to worry about it. Okay, good. And if I'm not getting that answer, or if I didn't get a great feedback from the client, I'm immediately doing a self-evaluation of that meeting. I'm immediately going, where did I go wrong? What did I do? Did I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're selling ourselves, right? For me in my business, I'm selling myself. So I can do that. So typically, typically if if it's not going well, usually it wasn't a great fit or I didn't listen properly, or, you know, I didn't take the conversation on the right path or, you know I talk too much or or whatever so I'm I'm always self-evaluating every one of these meetings and trying to optimize them.
1: Well, you've provided a lot of insights Rob and I think, you know, just the fact that you're putting yourself out there and agreeing to be on our podcast and share some of the wisdom, your insights, your tips and tricks, but also your knowledge and you've obviously been successful at growing your business and transitioning from lawyer to financial advisor to now helping businesses and even students. I didn't know that you were teaching. So thank you very much. And if there's anything else you'd like to say to our audience before we sign off, the floor is yours.
2: No, I think, I think we're all, uh, we're, we're all going to be living a seriously different time in business and whoever's listening out there. I think there's an amazing opportunity with businesses with the next year or two to try to come out of your shell and and to be a better communicator with your with your clients. And part of that might mean better listening. I'm certainly not the expert, but I'm just a reminder for everyone out there that you know, we, we can all improve that, right? We can all improve our listening skills and you can actually convert it to actual business uh, with proper listening. So uh, it's helped me wonders. And I wish all of the listeners out there the best. And I want to thank you, Polly, uh, for getting me on the show. This was, this was a really neat idea, fantastic podcast. And I'm, and I'm thrilled that you guys are, are proud entrepreneurs from Winnipeg. And I look forward to following the story as you expand across Canada and the US. And you guys rock. And I'm, I'm proud to be associated with you guys.
1: Well, thank you so much, Rob. By the way, if you want to reach us, we're at Vexit. That's with two X's on all of our social media channels, including LinkedIn and Twitter. Or you can email me directly at podcast at We would love to hear from you about topics that are important to you so we can help tap into our community of professionals and business owners who are willing to share their advice and experiences. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button and if you're a professional and interested in being a guest on Ask of Expert, go to vexit.com and become a member. It's just that easy. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Vexit podcast. I'm your host, Polly Craig.
0: The Ask of Expert podcast is a production of Vexit and distributed globally by the Sound Off Media Company.